We had a special guest here, B.B. Winans. We want to thank you, brother, for ministering to us. We blessed, blessed, you, blessed us. It's so good hearing your voice come through our speakers. <laughs> Made you sound really good, brother. You sound really good. <laughs> and whenever you hear someone sing really good, don't you wish you could do that? I can't. I can't. The story he told you about um, him borrowing money from me is completely not true. <laughs> it is true. But actually, I, I lost my money. So uh, anyway. <laughs> I said, let me bless you, but I got to borrow some money so I can bless you. <laughs> That's literally what I said. And let's get on our knees. Let's pray. Let's get on our knees. Amen. Uh, I, when it comes to prayer, today and the next three or four weeks will probably be the most important things you need to know about having your prayers answered. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to pray in agreement with you. I pray we wouldn't waste our time babbling about stuff that has nothing to do with what you want for our life. That we would only ask that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's see your Bibles. Let's see your Bibles on three. Say word. One, two, three. Say word. Very good. Let's turn to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. First book of the New Testament, Matthew 26. If you are having a bad day, say amen. amen. Wow. <laughs> the charges haven't played yet. <laughs> now, the charges are going to do good. They're going to win today, but... Uh, Amen. If you are having a bad day, you are in the right place. This is the place to come. And by the way, um, you know, as we get to the end of the year, I want to encourage you to find people who are having a bad day. And most people, uh, most suicides happen between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas in the whole year. It's a very lonely time. Please find those people. Pray for them, encourage them, invite them to church. Be the church where they're at. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm 100% confident that all of us and all people at some point pray to God. Pray for money, they pray for a date, they pray for a wife, husband, job, opportunity, health, mercy, strength, wisdom, understanding, why am I here? We pray all kind of stuff. And I think people even pray when they don't even realize they're praying, oh, God, help me. And, uh, and even atheists, they say 21% 20, of atheists believe in God. I don't know how to get this stat. I think 100% of atheists believe in God. Because if there's no God, what are you fighting against? <laughs> That's another argument, another, another discussion. But the one common thread in prayers that get answered is that those prayers are according to the will of God. And I would imagine that all of you, and I do, I want my prayers to be answered. Matter of fact, the only thing that makes your prayer real is an answer. And I'm not saying an answer, yes, but just some kind of response. But what makes your prayer really powerful is when you ask for something and it happens. And, and, you're, and the reason you're asking is because you can't do it. So you're asking a God you've never seen to do something you can't do. And then it happens, which encourages you to pray some more. God wants you to, he encourages you to pray some more. He wants you to be in constant communication with him and dependence on him. But the one common thread of all answered prayer is that it is the will of God. Matter of fact, turn to Matthew chapter 26. In this three, three verses, Jesus is praying to the Father. 
And he's getting ready to get arrested, beat, whipped, denied, betrayed, not necessarily in that order, betrayed, arrested, beat, whipped, spit on, denied, crucified. And right before all that happens, he's stressing. Okay, he's to the point of death. How many of you have ever stressed to the point of death? Okay, well, how many of you have ever stressed to the point where you thought you were going to die? <laughs> how many of you have ever stressed where your, your sweat was blood? That's stress. That's what Jesus is going through. So look what it says in chapter 26, verse 36. It says, when Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Verse 38, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed. Now, by the way, for, let's just stop right there. This is, this is, this is a, uh, you know, Jesus was all man, all God. Here's all man. Dealing with what you deal with. If you've ever been through problems and you say no one understands, he understands. You ever had a friend stab you in the back? He understands. You ever had a friend lie to you? He understands. You ever been crucified? No, he understands. You ever have a child die? His father understands. He's been there. Because Jesus is the, the son of the father. And he says, I'm going to go pray. I'm deeply distressed to the point of death. And I believe in Luke it says he was sweating drops of blood. And then it says in verse 39, he went a little further, fell on his face, and he said, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, is there, by the way, is there any other way you can accomplish salvation than me dying? And if anyone's ever asked that question, so did Jesus. He's like, man, I, I don't know about this, Father. This is going to be painful. Is there any other way? And implied in the answer and what happened next, the Father said, no, you got to die. But look what he says. He says, oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, everyone say nevertheless. nevertheless. Say nevertheless. nevertheless. Not as I will, but as you will. No matter what you pray for the rest of your life, you could pray for 20 Mercedes, you could pray for 50 girlfriends, you could pray for a house on the hill and a house in the valley, you could pray for jillions of dollars and all this stuff. But if in the end you say, Lord, trash all that if that's not what you want. I just want what you want. You want to know how to make your prayers powerful? Pray that God's will would happen in your life. Say, God, all I care about, and I'm serious, if you walk around all day, you could have stress, you could have all these things you want, but at the end of the day, if you're saying, Lord, I just want what you want. Matter of fact, if that's all you prayed, Lord, I don't want to even waste my time talking about stuff that doesn't matter. Tell me what you want me to pray for. Tell me what you want me to ask for, because if you ask for what God tells you to ask for, guess what's going to happen? What you ask for. Matter of fact, when we get later in this series, we're going to talk about in praying in Jesus' name, that's what it means. It means some other things too, but you're praying in Jesus' name, whatever you want from me. If you don't want me to date that person, I don't want to date that person. And you don't want to date the wrong person. If you don't want me to have that job, I don't want that job. If you don't want me to have that office by the window, I don't want to have the office by the window. I only want what you want. And if you can just have your life be that, I want what God wants. Everyone say, I want what God wants. And if you put all your drama, all your pettiness, gossip, I want this and selfishness, you put it aside and say, Lord, just tell me what you want me to have. 
you know, um, James chapter 4, verse 1 and 3 tells us that we have trials when our desires for pleasure are not satisfied. Where do wars and fight come from, the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 1 to 3? Through our desires for pleasure. And then it says we, we, uh, we ask and we don't get because we ask amiss that we may spend it on our own pleasure. We don't have because we don't ask. And then it says when we ask, we don't get it because we ask selfishly. One of the ways to minimize all that drama in your life is don't want anything. In other words, a lot of people, I want this, I need this, I want this, I want this. Matter of fact, God, I'll serve you if. I'll serve you if. Do this for me. God says, I'm not making deals with you. But if you just say, God, whatever, no stress. You don't want me to have that car? Cool. You don't want me to have the house? Cool. You don't want me to date that person? You don't want me to have that job? What do you want? Because whatever God wants for you is going to be really good. So turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to tell you what Jesus told us to ask for. Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 is 20 chapters before Matthew 26. So if you went all the way to Genesis, you drove all the way to New York just to get to Escondido, okay? It says in verse 9, chapter 6, verse 9, and we looked at this for the last month, in this manner therefore pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We talked about for the last month about God's name and hallowing his name and causing his name to be known as holy and acknowledging his name as his character and his identity and his promise to us. But now we're going to look at verse 10 for the, for the, for the rest of the next four or five weeks. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everybody say, thy kingdom come. Say, thy will be done. Say, on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you. In other words, there's something that exists in heaven that doesn't exist on earth. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, the first thing I want you to do is acknowledge that the Father is in heaven and you're not. We talked about heaven being a place and a condition. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing. Okay, so we talked about heaven on earth, hallowed be the name, our Father who's in heaven, God's in heaven, we're on earth. And this is Jesus saying, now after you acknowledge that God's in heaven and you are not, that God is holy, you are not, that we are going to acknowledge God is holy, we put ourselves in the proper place when we pray, God up here, almighty and all-powerful, us not. God knowing everything, we don't. After we establish that, the first thing he says to do is ask that God's will would be done. Now, when you get on your knees and pray, I wonder how many of you say, dear God, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Versus saying, dear Father, you are awesome Elohim, Yahweh Elohim in heaven. Yeshua, Yahweh saves. You are faithful. You are awesome rock Elohim, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. You are in heaven. I am not. As the beginning of your prayer, and then say, Father, whatever you want to do. That's it. Father, I got other stuff to say, God, but in the, let me just start off. I only want what you want. If, that's, if you can start your prayer like that, we talked about praying 50 minutes a day. If you can start your prayer like that, Lord, whatever you want. Now, guess what's going to happen to your heart? Your, and left, right doesn't mean right or wrong, but your heart was over here. As soon as you put God in this place, your heart starts to get right. And then you say, God, whatever you want, your prayer will change. 
Because when the next words come out of your mouth, dear God, I want that, you're going to say, God don't want that for me. We have a ministry where women go, women go to strip club called JC's Girls. They minister to women in strip clubs. Amen, amen. And I was standing right over there one Sunday. And this guy came to me and said, Pastor Miles, the Lord spoke to me about being part of JC's Girl. I said, brother. I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I said, the, I, I said, the Lord did, and he said, I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. Come on, fella, come on, fella. <laughs> Dear God in heaven, thy will be done. And now tell me what the Lord said. <laughs> Jesus is telling us, here's what I want you to ask for. And if you ask for what I'm telling you to ask for, guess what? You should expect it to happen. Matter of fact, next week we're going to look at why we should expect the prayer to happen. So what is he telling us to ask for? What is the kingdom of God? What is, what is thy will be done? Well, one, thy will be done, thy kingdom come are the same thing. God's will is his kingdom. God, God is not going to act contrary to who he is and what his kingdom is about. We talked about the kingdom of heaven and heaven being a place where everything is under the powerful hand of God in alignment with who God is. We're just going to look at three aspects of what the kingdom of God is and why this is so important because when you pray, Lord, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, whatever's up there and whatever is constituted as the kingdom of heaven, I want it to happen here. I was in Africa several years with my dad and we were driving down some street and, and it was in Uganda and as far as you can see in every direction were people just walking, carrying stuff, carrying people, people, no legs, dragging themselves down the street, as far to the right, as far to the left, shacks, no electricity, no water, garbage bins overflowed. It was horrible, poverty, horrible. Our Father in heaven, thy will be done there as it is in heaven. When you pray this, and again, when you get on your knees and pray every day, we talk about 15 minutes, you put God in his place. Don't complain, don't ask for anything. Tell God how awesome he is. Then you say, Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Three things are in your notes. What is thy kingdom come? In your notes, number one, the kingdom is the presence of God. Oh, I'm just going to turn to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. The presence of God. You cannot be in the kingdom and not be in the presence of God. Now, yes, we are all in the presence of God because God is everywhere. But there's a difference between being in the presence of God and being in the presence of God. When you get to heaven and you're in the presence of God, you know what you're going to do? You're going to fall on your face and worship. I see people here worship and in other churches worshiping like this. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You're not acknowledging the presence of God. To me, that is a reflection of the presence of the band. When you actually are in the presence of God, you will fall down on your face and you will worship. I mean, you might have seen people get prayed for and fall over. I used to watch for years that happen until it happened to me. 
And what happened, and, and I don't even know how to explain it, but in my limited understanding of what happened in the spiritual, that every cell, I have six, you have six billion cells in your body, that every one of the cells in your body just bowed in the presence of God. And you had no choice but to go down with them because you are made up of all your cells. The kingdom of God is the presence of God. I just want to read this one verse to you, and there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, uh, Revelation 20, verse 11, it says, I saw a great white throne, and him who seated, who seated on it, earth and heaven fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. I'm reading another verse, Luke 1.19. The angel said, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and tell you good news. Psalm 27.4, David said, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek him that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire of his temple. When you say thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what you are saying, God is God, I want to be in your presence. I know you're here, but I want to be in your presence. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 51 it says, don't take your presence from me or your, 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 your spirit from me. Don't hide your face, your panim. God's presence is equivalent to his face. Lord, I want you right here. So when words come out of my mouth, I'm looking at you. When thoughts are in my mind, I'm looking at you. When people tell me I'm this and that, that are negative, and I'm thinking all these negative thoughts because the devil's putting it in my head, I'm looking in your face that's saying, I love you. I want to be in your presence. So imagine you get on your knees and say, how Father who art in heaven, you are holy. May your presence be in my presence. May I be in your presence where I can sense your presence right now. Because if I sense your presence and I know you're with me, I'm going to think a whole lot of different things than if I don't think you're with me. When God called Moses to confront the, the Israelites, Moses says, who am I that I would go confront Pharaoh? I'm a fugitive. I'm 80 years old. I'm an old man. I killed a, a, an Egyptian. I was an orphan. And you want me to go back and confront the most powerful man in the world? Who am I? And, Moses, and God said, you're nobody. But you belong to me. I will be with you. That's all he said. I'll be with you. That's all you got to know. My father was a police officer, and I, went to, I used to go to work with him every now and then. He spied on cops. And he was like a detective undercover brother. And we went to Brooklyn one day to, to spy on this drug dealer. And it was a, 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 a row house or brownstones. And he said, I want you to walk down the street and look at number 23. I never forget this. I, I'm a numbers guy, so I never forget this numbers. I look at number 23, house number 23, and see if there's a guy in a red shirt standing at the top of the steps. And I was like, Dad, I'm, I mean, my mind, I'm thinking, man, this is child abuse. I'm nine years old. You're going to send me down there. I, it's not a guy. He's going to know I'm going to spying on him. He may kill me. I, and I, he's like, no, they're not going to know. He look like a little Puerto Rican kid. It's Brooklyn. Just go ahead. You'll be fine. So I'm walking down the street. I'm like, uh. And he, here's what he said. I'm going to be right here watching everything that happens. You're not going to be by yourself. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy presence. If you sit in your house every day and you pray, you say, Lord, fill this room with your presence. Watch out. You got to keep asking him. Because some of y'all, he's going to say, mm, I'm going to wait and see how serious they are. See if they come back tomorrow. 
dear God, your presence. I'm not feeling anything. Yeah, let's see if you come back. I'm going to wait. I'm going to give you a week to see if you give up. See how bad you want it. I tell you the story all the time about how I met my wife and she told me she wouldn't give me a number. She wouldn't, she wouldn't, she wouldn't dance, slow dance with me. And she was like, you know, figure it out. If you want to see me again, you'll find me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I want you. And I will find you. God's like, you want it? His presence. The, the kingdom of God is the presence of God. The overwhelming presence of God. Number two, the kingdom of God is the reign of God. It's right there in your notes. What I mean by reign, where God, you have surrendered all of your will to him. Matthew 19. I'll just narrate the story since our time is limited. Matthew 19 is a story of a rich young ruler. And this guy had everything a young man can want. He had money, he had this, he had that. And he comes to God and says, hey, Jesus, if I, if I want to go to heaven, what do I got to do? Jesus says, obey the commandments. He said, ah, I did all that. I did all that. And Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, verse 21 in chapter 19, he says, go sell what you have, give it to the po, P-O, the po, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then you come follow me. So this guy comes, he's got all this money, he got all these, this stuff in the world, and Jesus knew it. And he was holding on to that stuff. He said, hey, Jesus, how do I got to go to heaven? Trying to justify himself in front of everybody as he's confronting Jesus. Jesus says, hey, obey the commandments. He says, hey, I did all that. I'm a good guy. I got money. I got this. And I obeyed the commandments. Jesus says, hmm. But I'm not in his mind. I'm not in control of your life. You're holding on to that money. So Jesus said to him, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. You have riches in heaven. Then come follow me. Prove that God is in control of your life and not your money. Now, let me tell you, I'm not telling you you need to do that at all. That was this guy's issue. Prove to me that I'm in control of your life and not your money. Go sell it. I'll take care of you. Just trust me. You know what the guy did? Walked away. It says, when the, verse 22, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful and, and because he had great possessions. And Jesus said, assuredly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not because you have riches. It's because the riches have you. And by the way, riches is not only cash, it's opportunity, it's good looks, it's, it's a party life, it's, it's things, it's a lifestyle. If you're holding on to that more than God and God is not reigning in your life, ruling in your life, where he can do whatever, that's the kingdom of God. Because when you go to heaven, there is no argument about who's in control of, of everything. You want to have the kingdom now? Thy kingdom come, not only your presence, but your reign in my life, Lord. I want you to reign in my life. I want you to control my thoughts, my desires, my decisions, my words, my actions, what I look at, how long I look at it, what I think when I look at it, how long I look at it. I want all that. That's thy will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. So the first thing you get on your knees and say, Lord, I am here, you are up there, may your will be done in my life. Change my heart even now so when I ask you for something here in a few minutes in my prayer, it's what you want me to ask for. That's powerful prayer. And the third thing is the kingdom of God is the heavenly standard of God. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. 
I don't know if you've ever seen someone, a, a, a potter, mold clay. What the potter does, he puts the clay on the wheel, puts water on it, makes it soft, and the potter molds and shapes the clay into what the potter wants the clay to be. Say amen if you've seen that before. Anybody? Amen. And he makes a vase or whatever, that, whatever they want to make, plate, whatever. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done is, Lord, I want you to align my life with the standard in heaven. I want you to align my thoughts with the standard in heaven. I want you to align my health with the health that's in heaven. Whatever the condition in heaven is, I want to experience that condition here. So I'm submitting my life, my marriage, my drama, I'm placing it in heaven and I'm going to let the presence of God and the reign of God mold and shape my life like a pot of mold's clay. So when you say, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, change me to what you want me to be, what I would be if I was in heaven. Look what it, look what it says in, in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded saying, do not go the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Say kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> so here's all these sick people, demon-possessed people, crippled people, and here comes Jesus, the presence of God, with the reign of God, with the power of God, with the authority of God. And he says, I'm giving it to you, disciples. I want you to go out and I want you to bring the kingdom of heaven. And when you go meet these people, guess what's going to happen? Their lives are going to be aligned with heaven. It says, verse 7, as you go preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everyone say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then it says, heal the sick. Everyone say, heal the sick. Say, cleanse lepers. Say, raise the dead. Say, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely you give. So what, what, what the disciples were doing, saying they, they were bringing the kingdom of heaven, and they were aligning as they prayed for people. Those people's lives were aligned with the standard in heaven. They were getting healed. Demons were cast out. People were getting raised from the dead. Oh, do you really, people, do you really believe that people can rise from the dead? Well, if people don't rise from the dead, we're not going to heaven. <laughs> because in order for you to go to heaven, you got to rise from the dead. Newsflash, we're all going to be resurrected. Can I get amen? amen? That's good news. So what Jesus said is, I want you to go preach. And when these people's lives are aligned with heaven, the, the kingdom of heaven is, is among you. Matter of fact, when you get saved, salvation is a healing event. You're walking around, you're rejecting God. The Bible says you're an enmity with God, you're an enemy of God. You've never been forgiven of your sins. Your thoughts are against God. Your words are against the word of God. Your actions are against the word of God. And you're fighting God. And then you realize that Jesus Christ died for your sin and rose from the dead to give you an opportunity to be forgiven. And you tell God, God, I ask you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead for my sin. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart. And guess what God does? God fills you with his spirit. And he starts to heal your life. And he starts to align your life with heaven. 
And what I mean by heaven is that he, he starts to get rid of all the stuff in your life that's contrary to heaven. He starts to purify your life of all the things you would think if you were in the presence of God. He starts to eliminate all the things you would do if God was reigning in your life. And all of a sudden, people are experiencing more of God in your life. Your marriage is more aligned with what it would be in heaven than if it is on earth. And so when you say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, transform my life. That it may be aligned with your perfect will. That's your prayer. And if you did that and said, Lord, that's all I want, he would take care of how you love your enemies. He would take care of how you love your friends. He would take care of how much you give, where you serve, how you serve, how often you come to church. He would make sure you got here on time. <laughs> how many of y'all are on time today? How many of y'all are not on time today? Okay. I know you had a good excuse, but next week will be a different story. You're going to be here on time because, Lord, I'm going to be here because God wants me to get all the worship. In a minute, we're going to pray, and you're going to have an opportunity to act on that prayer. Because whenever you pray something, you have to be willing to be used in the answer. In other words, you say, dear Lord, I pray you help those homeless people. Well, you got to say, and I'm available. Dear Lord, please encourage that person. And, and by the way, I'm available. Dear Lord, may thy will be done in my life, and I'm available. You have to be willing to say, here I am. So in a minute, we're going to pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, Lord, I surrender my life. I want you to transform my thoughts to be aligned with the kingdom. I want you to transform my desires to be aligned with the kingdom. I want you to transform my marriage to be aligned with the kingdom. My perspective of who I am to be aligned with the kingdom. Do you know that God loves you, period? And that you're not a mistake, no matter what your parents were thinking, you're not a mistake. He had that thing all worked out where you, they would get pregnant. And they weren't thinking about you, but he was because he had a better purpose for you than them. That's a good news. And if someone told you all your life, you're no good, you're no good, God says, wait a minute, I made you and I don't make mistakes. So if God can align your whole life. So in a minute we're going to pray and you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, I want Thy will to be done in my life as it is in heaven. I want to think like I would think if I was in heaven standing next to you. I want to desire the things that I would desire if I was in heaven standing next to you. That's what I want. I don't want what my flesh and selfishness wants. I want what you want. For some of you, he wants to forgive you of your sin so you will be saved. For some others of you, you've already prayed that prayer, but your life is not aligned with the kingdom. We want you to surrender your life today. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you so much that no matter what our lives have been to this point, you are willing and able to align our attitudes, our thoughts, the condition of our heart with heaven. That your will would be done in our life as it is in heaven. That the thoughts you have for us in heaven, the desires you have for us in heaven, the perspective you have on our life in heaven, we would have here on earth. 
Some of you need to ask Christ to forgive you of your sin. You realize the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the penalty of sin is death. You believe Jesus Christ died for your sin and rose from the dead and you want him to forgive you that he may begin to align your life with heaven. That you may have his presence in your life like you didn't have it yesterday. That he may begin to reign in your life and rule in your life. In a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to pray and ask God to forgive you of your sin. There are some of you in here, you prayed that prayer, but you're not seeing change. You're not seeing freedom from your bondage. You don't sense the presence of God in your life. And you want to surrender to him afresh. Say, Lord, thy will be done. It's all about you because I am messing my life up. My will is messing me up. If you want to pray this prayer for either one of those reasons or for whatever reason you have, in the privacy of your heart, just pray this prayer with me. You don't need to pray out loud. In the privacy of your heart, say, dear God, I believe Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. May thy will be done in my heart as it is in heaven. May thy will be done in my mind as it is in heaven. May my will be done in my marriage, my career, my relationships as it is in heaven. Lord, I surrender my life to you. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand if you prayed that prayer for whatever reason. And if you prayed that prayer, you're saying to God, God, I belong to you. Jesus said if you're ashamed of me before man, he's going to be ashamed of you before his father. And belonging to Jesus means obeying him, trusting him, relying on him, walking hand in hand in his presence day and night. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. And what you're doing by standing up is you are giving public conf- uh, affirmation. Yes, his will is being done in my life. I want his will and his kingdom to be reality in my life. So right now, if you prayed that prayer for whatever reason, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. Just stand to your feet if you prayed that prayer. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. 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 God bless you.